Everyone has a story, and I believe that sharing your story has the power to connect people. I'm a working mom, wife, and seeker, and nothing lights me up and brings me more joy than having meaningful conversations. And one of the things I love to talk about is psychedelics. In December 2021, I experienced my first psychedelic journey with psilocybin. It was one of the most profound events in my life, and it opened me up to a deeper spiritual growth and helped me to heal. And now, talking to those who've experienced the therapeutic magic of psychedelics and hearing about their personal journey has become my passion. Mindful Trip is a safe space to have conversations that demystify and destigmatize the use of plant medicines. Conversations that allow us to have deeper connections with ourselves and others. I hope that sharing these intimate, funny, and inspiring stories helps you find the answers you're looking for. A wise friend said to me, all you can do is follow the threads and see where it takes you. So I hope you'll join me in unraveling the threads, staying open, and trusting the journey. This is Mindful Trip. Mindful Trip content and the views, thoughts, and opinions of the host, guests, and contributors is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional legal advice or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Consult with the medical provider or mental health care professional about your health-related questions. Mindful Trip does not encourage illegal activity, including but not limited to the illegal sale, purchase, or use of controlled substances. Hi, and thanks for joining. Today, my friend Shayla opens up about her emotional and inspiring story of breast cancer, ayahuasca, healing the mother wound, and generational trauma. Shayla Martin's life-changing journey as a breast cancer survivor was the catalyst for her healing and spiritual growth. She now helps support others in their spiritual awakening as a transformational coach with Three Bell Evolution based in New York City. Your support means a lot, so please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. I'd also love to hear what resonates for you, so send me your comments. Hi, Shayla. Hi, how are you doing today? It's so nice to see you. Nice to see you also. Thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. I'm really excited about our conversation as well. And I'm really grateful that Evacheska introduced us. And your story is really going to resonate with a lot of people. So I'm really excited for you to share that. I'm glad she connected us as well. She's amazing, truly. She is. She really is. She's gifted. So let's get started because we have a lot to talk about. So tell me what I need to know about you to understand what was going on in your life before you decided to try psychedelics. It was breast cancer. So December 2017, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and spent all of 2008 fight, fighting breast cancer. I had a vasectomy, reconstruction, chemotherapy, radiation, all of the things. And when my breast cancer journey finished, I found myself like swirling on the inside, things happening that I couldn't put words to. So the first thing I did for myself was I put myself in therapy for the first time ever. And like crazy enough, these dates are just wild to me, but January 31st was my mastectomy, January 31st, 2018, January 1st, 2019, I started therapy for the first time in my life, January 31st, 2020, I did ayahuasca. Like that day, my first time ever, that day has been like pivotal in my life since 2018, but that is what led me to ayahuasca. But if you think about the deeper reason behind ayahuasca, that she's the grandmother of plant medicines, the reason and everything that happened for me on ayahuasca is what took me to ayahuasca without me knowing it. Why did you choose ayahuasca over other psychedelic medicines? What led you to ayahuasca specifically? Was it through friends or someone that you met, something that you read or watched? It is wild because I think about this all the time. Or I've thought about this many times. I don't know when I first heard about ayahuasca, but it was a long time ago, years, mm -hmm. years before. And it was just this thing that I heard about and that it releases blockages. And I was raised by just my dad. 
I never knew my mother. She didn't want to be a mom. She opted out. So I was raised by a single dad. He had full custody of me ever since I was a baby. And like my logical brain, when I heard about ayahuasca, was like, oh, I probably have a blockage by not having a mother. Ayahuasca would probably clear this blockage. So it was very like a logical thing, but there was no action on my part. Like maybe a couple of times I looked it up. I knew it was something you did in Peru. I knew it was in the jungle. I knew those things. And it, it intrigued me, but like nothing happened. But then 2019, I went to Burning Man and I was like 10 months cancer free. I met a guy out there, like a friend, met a guy out there and followed him on social media. And when we were back from Burning Man, like at some point he made a post about like going to do ayahuasca in LA. Mm-hmm. And I sent him a message and I was like, do you happen to know anyone in New York? And he said, no, but I know someone in Spain that's starting the whole beautiful space. And he connected me with this woman named Genetry. And her and her partner at that time had started up a retreat center outside of Barcelona. And I just connected with her. And I was like, I'm doing ayahuasca. I am going to outside of Spain, outside of Barcelona and doing ayahuasca for the first time. Wow. So you just made the decision right then and there that you were going to do it. Yes. There was not even a doubt. It was just like, oh, yes, I'm going to ask him and he's going to know somebody. And he did. And it led me right to like this beautiful place, like where I'm supposed to be. I very much connect with Spain. I love Spain. And it was also part of the journey. And like when we talk about the depths of the ayahuasca journey, like all of that came to as the part of leading me to that room to heal. So now before we even get into the journey, I want to just ask you, did you grow up with any sort of religion or spirituality? Like, what do you attribute all of a sudden connecting to ayahuasca and saying, that's what I'm going to do? Breast cancer. So I've done ayahuasca, I think, seven times. And it all makes sense on the yeah. second to last journey I had. Like, it all comes together. But cancer was what I needed to have to get me into the room to heal what I thought was processing cancer, but it wasn't. It was processing and healing a mother wound that a little girl had. This little girl who never saw a mother again at three years old. Mm -hmm. This little girl who was raised by a very loving dad from the age of four months old. This little girl never felt any sadness because she was protected and loved. And she was protected so much she didn't have to feel anything. But then Mm -hmm. cancer came and cancer just ripped the Band-Aid off of something, off of a wound that I didn't know existed. I knew that I was stepping into this room to probably to heal a wound. I knew that I was stepping into this room to move past a blockage that logically I knew was probably from cancer. I mean, if it was a mother wound, but I thought it was going to be like a closure, like this final thing. And then that wound is gone and you're done. But that's not what happened. And although ayahuasca was my planned first psychedelic experience. I somehow ended up in a room and did DMT three weeks before that. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's talk about that first. Let's talk about the DMT experience. Cause I know a lot of people are not as familiar with DMT and I know that ayahuasca technically has DMT in it. Yes. But you know, most people are not familiar with DMT. So Explain, if you can, what is DMT, and then share a little bit about your experience with DMT before you did your first ayahuasca journey. So to get you to the DMT, I have to give a little bit more context. December 2019, I was already signed up to do ayahuasca January 31st outside mm-hmm. of Spain. I met my Burning Man's family party, like holiday party, and I mentioned ayahuasca. And so I was like, oh, so-and-so over here, you know, she's a medicine woman. Mm-hmm. You should talk to her about it. And so I was talking to her about this upcoming ceremony I have in five weeks or so. And she was like, if there's any other work you would like to do, like, give me a call. And I was like, yeah, I would love to do some work. I didn't know what do work meant. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) And a couple of days later, I messaged her. I want to work with you first before ayahuasca. Like, I didn't know what it was. And she's like, yes, we'll do roomy. I'm like, perfect. I asked my therapist, do you know what Rumi is? And she's like, no, I'm not not sure. Maybe it's a reading. I was like, all right, cool. And <laughs> I take the Metro North up from New York City, and I go to this woman's place in White Plains, and we are talking, and she's telling me about Rumi, and in my head, I said, oh, I'm about to do DMT. 
Mm. I didn't know. So I didn't go there to do DMT. It wasn't part of my plan, but it was part of the plan. Mm. And DMT 5-MeO is, hers is a synthetic form. So Bufo is also DMT, but Mm. there's DMT 5-MeO that is synthetic and it's vaped kind of into a a balloon type bag. And when you inhale it, as you hold it in, your ego dissolves and you just become one with the universe. And it's deep and fast. So unlike ayahuasca, which is a journey with a shaman and you're a little bit more aware, ayahuasca doesn't necessarily fully dissolve the ego. DMT, your ego is gone. But when I was in this state, I kept hearing this voice saying, Shayla, let go. And I was saying, I'm trying. And I felt like these tears just like Mm. bawling inside of me. But when I came out of the experience, it's all of like 20 minutes, I was not crying. Mm. And I'll never forget it. But it's this voice said, let go. Shayla, let go. I was like, I'm trying. And I was just like bawling, bawling so hard. Oh, my God. And all that came up in my first ayahuasca ceremony three weeks later. Like all of it made sense. So for me, the psychedelic journey is always a journey I was supposed to be on in order to heal this mother wound, in Mm -hmm. order to let go. Right. So with the DMT, what do you attribute that voice to, the voice that said, Shayla, let go? Do you think it was your higher self? Do you think it was like your angels or your guides or source, God, whatever you believe in? All of it. I definitely think it was the powers to be that led me to the room to heal, Mm. the powers to be who led me to my therapist's office. I never had therapy before, and I landed with like the perfect therapist. Mm. Older than me, mothering, giving me a feeling and giving me something that I didn't know I needed, but she knew. And Mm. she practices core energetics and it's a very non-traditional, it's so more somatic-based, based body-based therapy. Like she knew. And even that part came up in ayahuasca for me. But I, th- I think it was all of the things that knew that my soul and my body today needed to heal this wound in order to right. feel alive, to be more alive than I knew I was. Right. And so I think it was all of it. And it was like, Shayla, let go. And I was like, I'm trying. Mm. So before this DMT experience, the mother wound that you're talking about, did you ever really examine that growing up or as you got into adulthood? Or was it just something that you were like, you know what, I'm good. I'm moving forward in my life. I have people who love me around me. I have a great family. I have a great group of friends. You just never really addressed it. Or do you think that you had repressed all the emotions from not knowing your mother and just, it never came up until now. Yeah, it never came up until breast cancer. And I think it's a more womanly cancer to get to like bring up something related to being a woman. I've learned so much about all of this via multiple ayahuasca journeys. But one is, is that like my dad and his two sisters, my aunts, loved me so much that I never had to face that wound. That I never had right. to feel that wound. That I had never had to know it existed. Mm. And... Like my logical brain knew there has to be a blockage because you never had a mother. Like that was a very logical thought, but I'm okay Hmm. because I grew up with so much love. I grew up with a dad who never bad, bad mouthed this woman. He just said, your mother wasn't ready to be a mom. That's all I heard my entire life. Like nothing bad. So nothing negative, nothing for me to like attribute like bad feelings towards It was just, I grew up without a mom. And it was one of those things that, it was just life for me. And when people meet me, especially as a child, they're like, oh, what happened to your mom? They're like, oh, I don't have one. I just have a dad. Mm. And that was always Mm. my answer. And so for me, it was my norm. And I never had to think about it. And there are, of course, a lot of people with a parent that's not around it is almost always a male that's not around. So mine was different, right. like not having a woman. I know that I had to learn how to be a woman from other women, from TV mm-hmm. to women on the street, teachers, my dad's friends, their wives. But it just seemed 
okay. It seemed right. like I don't have a wound. And I'll never forget my therapist said, Shayla, I'm going to ask you a hard question, but do you think that your breast cancer is related at all to your mother? Mm. And I said, no, wow. not at all. Like, I don't carry the gene. So it didn't come from anybody. Right. I learned in my first ayahuasca ceremony that my breast cancer was very much related to my mother one. And that's what my therapist was getting at. Ooh, wow. That, <laughs> there's a, a lot to unpack lot. there. I know. Yeah. Just in the first few minutes, like, there's a lot to unpack. I've, I have, honestly, a lot of questions. I love the fact that you're just so open going with the flow with this, you know, first DMT experience. You just you were like, okay, I'm ready to do it. It's I'm meant here. for me to do it. I'm in white plane. I'm here, I'm so I'm going to do it. So then after this DMT experience... So three weeks later, you were scheduled to go to Spain to do your first ayahuasca ceremony. So tell me about that first ayahuasca ceremony. And also, you started digging deep into the breast cancer and the connection to your mother and the mother wound. And so I have to assume that probably all came out during your first ayahuasca ceremony. But I would love to hear about what happened. So actually, I had not connected breast cancer, mother wound, or anything until mm. January 2020. So I was in therapy mm. for an entire year. We talked about breast cancer, kind of like processing breast cancer, healing breast cancer. I will say that my therapist is magical. She already knew. She knew all the things and was gently trying to get me there. Mm. Ayahuasca got me there. And then we were able to work through that. But I would say another thing that happened right before ayahuasca. So January 2020 was a very strong month on showing me and getting me to the wound. Mm -hmm. And then the next two years were like actually healing the wound. So DMT first. The next weekend, my therapist had this circle called Connecting with Your Higher Self. We did this hour-long breath work. I was like, I'm going to take a nap during this breath work. Wow. Like, I'm checked out. And all of a sudden, I drop into this breath work, and I feel like I can't move my hands. I feel like something is holding me down. Mm. Like, DMT was that first weekend, Shayla let go. The breath work was this next weekend, and something was holding me down. And again, mm. I started, like, hearing that voice. And breath work takes you to a different place. And I start hearing this voice, like, Shayla, let go. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, where is this wow. coming from? Like, what is happening? And he came out of this breath work. And I'll never forget, I'm like on my knees and I look at my therapist because she was like one of the moderators or facilitators. And I look at her and I was like, I need a hug. Wow. And she looked and I said, I need a maternal hug. Mm. And she just hugged me. Oh. We're in this group setting and the group kind of comes around and she's hugging me. And I asked her, what's happening? And she said, you're healing. Wow. And even now, I just, I get so emotional and think about it. But like, I didn't know what was happening. Mm -hmm. So it's DMT the first weekend, then it's this, and I'm in a woman's lap for the mm -hmm. first time in my life. And she's stroking my shoulder and she's stroking my hair my aunts are very loving and caring, but I didn't know I needed that. This right. was the first time that something in like a woman's embrace where I was getting to the fact that like, oh, I've never had this. Right. The maternal, right? That the maternal, maternal love. And it was my first time ever saying mm. to anybody, I need a maternal hug. And this woman just held me. Mm. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know. So she said, you're healing. The next weekend was ayahuasca. Wow. So January 2020 for me was like, boom, boom, boom. We are getting her ready. We are getting her to this room. Wow. It is going down. Oh and so I gosh. feel like the universe, the spirits, the ancestors, whoever you want to call them, that ayahuasca, the grandmother plant that calls you to her, was really honed in on me. Mm. And it's like I was on a mission that I didn't know I was on. We arrived on Thursday. Ayahuasca was Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. Left on Sunday. And <clears throat> I remember it's ceremonial time and getting very nervous mm. and being like, oh my goodness, I am about to do this. I was ready and nervous. 
And I called my dad and my two aunts. And I was like, hey, I'm in Spain. You're in Spain? Yes, beside <laughs> the point. I'm in Spain. I'm about to be in Spain called Ayahuasca. Please look it up. But just want to tell you I love you. Just want to say thank you for raising me. Thank you for keeping me safe. And I did that to both my aunts and my dad, like wow. in 10 minutes. And so it helped me step into the ceremonial room safe and okay, I'm doing this. But I was nervous and I dropped into ayahuasca very quickly. Like my experience was the three things to prep me to get in there and it went right in for me. And it was, we're going to open this door on this wound and you are going to heal it. Ooh. Okay. So now we have to get in here. We have to dig deep. I want to know about what was your experience like, your first ayahuasca journey? I know everyone who's listening and watching, they want to know, what was your first ayahuasca experience like? (sighs) Okay. I get chills thinking about it to this day, and I will never forget it. It was outside of Barcelona. Shaman's name is Pitt. They have the room separated between men and women, so feminine and masculine energy on separate sides. It's dark. It's these huge floor-to-ceiling windows. We were at like this castle-looking thing on like a old flower farm. Like I'm in a beautiful place. And I drink, I sit down, I lay down. And all of a sudden, like I can't put a time to it, but it was quick. All of a sudden, I just like see this light and I hear from inside of me say, I missed you. Mm. And I know that I was referring to that same voice that it came on DMT that was saying like, Shayla, let go. It was that same presence. But that voice that said, oh, I've missed you, came out with no control. Like it just Mm. came. And then soon after that, I'm laying there and all of a sudden I felt someone hug me. Mm. I felt something come around me. And I said, who is this? And the voice said, it's your mother. And Mm. I bawled. I cried, oh my goodness, I cried every single tear that that three-year-old little girl never cried. That little Mm. three-year-old little girl didn't know she had. That child who grew up and maybe on the inside said, like, why don't I have a mom? Mm. Like that little girl cried and Mm. bawled. And I just laid it, sat against the wall. And I do know that my birth mother is dead. She passed in 2016. And I never talked to her three times my entire life. I never saw her after the age of three. Mm. She wrote a series of letters. but There was never any reasons. There was never anything. It was just like, hi. (laughs) And so in this state that I don't know this person's voice or anything, and I Mm. said, who is this? And it's like, it's her mother. And it was a woman voice. It was not my voice. And I just cried. And this voice said, like, I didn't know you were hurt this bad. Mm. I didn't know you were hurt. And I said, but I'm not hurting. And he's like, you are hurting. Mm. And I'm bawling. And I've never been much of a crier. So this is a completely new experience for me. And I'm bawling. And this voice says, like, but I gave you to your dad. Mm. And he loves you. And I was like, yeah, I love him so much. And it was just this back and forth. And I was like, why? And the voice just said, because I I didn't want to do it. Mm. There was no like, I wish I would have. The healing for me wasn't like, oh, this longing. It was just closure that I didn't know I needed or like closure that came in a way different form than I could ever imagine. It wasn't for me present day. It was for the three-year-old who just one day never saw a woman that other people who have a woman in their life call a mom. Right, right. And yeah, that just wasn't my reality. That three years old didn't know what to do with that. And after my mother's voice came in and there's this back and forth exchange and I'm crying and it's just all of a sudden these voices are, wow, she's so beautiful. And my inner child absolutely was sitting next to me and she's like nine. And she was like, oh my goodness, who are you? Mm. And it was like, we're your ancestors. 
And I knew at that moment that when my birth mother decided to not be a mom anymore, like she cut the ties from like that entire part of my being. So if you believe the ancestors and the ancestral beings, like I didn't have the connection there. Right. And when she came in, she repaired that connection and they came after her. And what they said were everything in the last three years was to get you to this room to heal. Wow. And I said, even breast cancer. And they said, yes. And I said, but Mm. you took my breasts. And I had a left side mastectomy. And they said, but we're getting it fixed, aren't we? And just two weeks before that, I had met with a new plastic surgeon to redo my reconstruction. Wow. And it's like, yes. And I'm just bawling. And then they said, we even sent Sherry to you. And that's my therapist. Mm. And I said, what? And this voice said, oh, my child, no one finds a therapist they like this much on their first try. What? Yeah. And that's how I ended up with this very maternal and loving therapist. They sent her to me. And they said, we sent her to you because we knew she could love you. Oh, my God, Shayla. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Oh, my God. It's incredible. it's, It's like you don't believe it until you actually hear it and how every single thing lined up, every event, every moment, every person was divinely guided and sent to you. Yes. I mean, it was sent to me when I could handle it. I could not have handled cancer any other time in my life other than when I was 39 years old. I couldn't have handled it in my twenties. I definitely couldn't handle it in my early thirties. I could handle it, though, when I ended up in this beautiful community. I live in New York City. I was at Sloan Kettering. I had these people to support me, like friends that showed up, friends that were just people I ran with. Like everything was put into place where I could handle cancer. And then everything was put into place to like when cancer ripped the Band-Aid off of a wound, which is exactly Mm -hmm. what it does for everybody. It's just everyone's wound is different. And do they choose to step towards the wound? But for me... Cancer ripped the Band-Aid off, and there's no other time in my life that I could have handled the Band-Aid being ripped off. Right. There's no other time. Wow. I mean, it's such a testament because I know there are a lot of people who believe and a lot of people who don't believe that we are all energy, right? So whatever emotional trauma and wounds that you have, if you don't move that energy out of your body in some way and release it, it will settle in some part of your body and it will end up manifesting into some sort of chronic disease or pain or something like cancer. I absolutely believe in that. Obviously you do too. Yeah. So you hear these very clear messages about what the breast cancer was, the timing of it, your therapist, all of that, that all these people and all these situations and events were divinely guided and sent to you. What other messages and downloads did you get during the first night of your ayahuasca ceremony? So for me, the ceremony became really intense Mm. in general. It's probably like 25 people in the room. So people are on their own journeys. The ayahuasca ceremony that I went to in Barcelona is called Avalon Love. They on Instagram because it's legal over there. So there's no hiding Mm. it. Their ceremonial style is if you feel something, you need to get up and move. You can. They have instruments and you just need to play something. You can. If you need to release noise, you stepped out of the ceremonial room. There was space there. If you need to step out of everything, they had a fire pit. But it got really, really intense. And my nine-year-old self sitting next to me was like, hey, guys, I'm getting scared. Mm. I'm still bawling the entire time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, this hurts. And I've shared this with so many people in hard times for them. This voice said, oh, my child, healing hurts. Mm. I can hear it. Oh, my child, healing hurts. And my nine-year-old self is like, hey, I'm kind of freaking out right now. And Mm. like I had to get up and leave the room. And I went to the bathroom. Like I walked past somebody who was just pacing back and forth. And I looked at him. And in that moment, I knew that we knew each other from some other life. I just got chills thinking about mm-hmm. And the next day he said the same thing. Hey, that moment you passed by, 
I felt like I, I knew you. I was like, oh my God. I felt like some lifetime ago. And then we saw each other and I was like, oh, it's you. And then it was out. Wow. And I had to go like regather myself in the bathroom. And then I stuck back in the room. And from there, my dad and my aunts are still alive, but their spirits came in. And my dad's spirit wow. came and was like, I had Shayla and I was like, daddy. I said, oh, I'm so scared. He's like, it's okay. And I was like, I love you so much. My dad has Parkinson's and in this state, his spirit said, and I know that you're really sad that I have Parkinson's. I had never told him that. And I said, I, I am. And he says, okay, I'm not going anywhere. I was like, you can't go anywhere yet. Like, I need you. And we just had this, like, really close, like, daughter, father talk. And we are close. And then, like, the next spirit that came in was my Aunt Rosalie. Both of my aunts are from the Cape, from Massachusetts. They have thick accents. And it was her. And I was like, oh, my God, Auntie Rosalie. And she's like, oh, Shayla, I love you so much. I said, I know, I love you too. And she said, I love you so much because you healed us. Mm. And my aunt had never said that. Like when you're in this state and people say like, oh, like what if you're just talking to yourself? It's like, but my aunt had never said those things. My dad never knew that I was sad that he had Parkinson's. But like the souls know. And someone doesn't have to be passed a way for their soul to like come to you in this very like transcendental state. Yes. And she's like, we love you so much because you helped heal us. And then my aunt Bertha's spirit came and I knew it was her. I'm like, auntie, she's like, Hey Shayla. And I was like, I love you so much. Thank you for loving me. And she's like, of course we love you. We love you so much. I'm like, okay. Aunt. And wow. the ceremony was about six hours long. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like time in there that, I can't place, but like those are the big things. And the next day, A, I text my therapist who had already said, like, if anything comes up and you need to talk, like, text me. And it's just right. like, oh my goodness, you were right. My breast cancer was because of my mother, but because I was sad. And she said, Shayla, I know. Hmm. And I was like, okay, we have a lot to talk about on Thursday. Mm. <laughs> and then I called my aunt. I didn't tell my dad until later. I told my other aunt later, a little bit different details later. But I didn't tell my dad for like maybe a week or two. I asked him to watch a documentary on ayahuasca before we talked about it. But my aunt, Rosalie, who is not a psychedelic person, is not someone who would be into any of this, but she's very religious. And so she believes in a power beyond us. Like I needed to talk to her. Yeah. And the next day, like I couldn't sleep that morning. I had just realized like a massive thing in my life. And I had to talk to somebody and I called my Aunt Rosalie from Spain and I'm like telling her all these things. And she started crying and she's like, you did help heal us. Mm. And so she said it. And I was like, it was real. Mm. It was all so real. And it's also the first thing, like the woman, her name is Jennifer. Jennifer said to me, like when I'm, like the ceremony is over and I'm just in the ceremony room. I'm just sitting there because I just bawled for hours, tears that I never knew I had. And she mm. just came and she touched me on my shoulder. And she said, Shayla, it was real. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I know it was real. And she's like, okay, you can't process it all right now. Wow. And I was like, but I never knew I was sad. And she's like, it's okay. Wow. And this woman is like, just like the most beautiful spirit and like stood me up. I could barely get my coat on, barely get my shoes on. I was so sad. Mm. Like that sadness had boiled up. And I didn't know what to do with it because I never knew I had it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The upside, though, is that I had the tools in place to process all of this. And that's one of the things I would say with ayahuasca and all the psychedelic journeys. Like, to go through these but then not have integration right. is detrimental. Right. Like, I had someone to help me process, to help me 
with this very tender wound. And I had someone that I could trust because I now I knew that they sent her to me. So wow. all of the defenses that I kind of had of like, no, that's not it. Like, because my dad loved me. Nope. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And now I was meeting her with my wound that she already knew was there, but could help me in the most caring, maternal, loving way to be able to move to the wound and heal. And then I did ayahuasca seven more times. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, wait, before you talk about the other ones, wait, I have to go back because I have a couple things I want to ask you. So when the spirit of your dad and your two aunts came through and they said that you did help to heal us, when you went home and you saw them, did you feel like energetically things did change? Not only were you healing, but that they were also healing. Did you feel a shift happen? It's not that per se, is that me coming into this world and my dad having me from four months old, one of the people that helped raise me immediately when my dad got me at four months old was my Aunt Rosalie. And the story goes is that I was born in Chicago and my dad and my birth mother were in some form of a relationship. And he came home from work and I guess goes in the apartment and I'm just a little baby in the crib and crying Mm. and I'm bawling and crying and there's no one else there. The story goes that my birth mother came in from a run and was like, what's the problem? She's in a crib. Like, Mm. she's fine. My dad was like, you can't leave a baby in a crib with pillows and go for a run. Mm -hmm. And, And from there, he took me. And he was just like, this is not how my daughter is going to be raised. And no one taught my dad how to love a little girl. Like he wasn't raised in this like overly loving, hand-holding family. Like that's not what it was. But something in him knew that he was going to pour his love into this little girl and knew that a little girl shouldn't be left in a crib. The rest of the story goes is that he bought an airline ticket and like called my Aunt Rosalie in the middle of the night. I have Shayla, but I need help for a couple of months. And he took me to the airport back when you could meet at the terminal. My aunt meets him. He hands me over to my aunt. And as he's walking away, he turns around. My aunt has told me this story multiple times, Mm. turned around and said, I'm coming back for my baby. Mm. I'm coming back. Mm. And I think though that that handoff is where the healing for my aunt happened. And it's not my story to tell for her, but right. she needed some healing in the form of receiving another chance. Right. With the little girl. Right. And I was that little girl. Mm. I know that that's what was meant by you helped heal us. My dad is 10 and 11 years younger than his sisters. So they already had kids. They already right. had marriages. And then like maybe I was this fresh slate to come in and like love a child differently, love a child with new tools that you have. Like both of my aunts took to like being a mother to me, like pouring love into me, not like I was a niece, but like I was their daughter. And I think it's because they had 10 more years of life. And then I was this second chance. Right. I mean, that mother wound and the generational trauma is real. Real. Right. Sometimes it gets handed down even in utero. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people don't realize that until much later when they're confronted with their feelings or something happens in their life. I always say it's those moments. It brings you to your knees or the come to Jesus moments that makes you really pay attention to like, what is going on in my life? What is it that I need to make some changes? Right? Yeah. Mine was cancer, but right. the wound For was you. the mother wound. I right. couldn't have gotten there. And I can never say it enough. But I, I also can say like, if I could have my breast back, hmm. if someone was like, hey, you want to trade this for a breast? I would say, hell no. Hmm. I don't need the breast. I'm so happy I received this healing. I'm so happy I gave myself this. I'm so happy that these things started swirling inside, which I now know from my therapist on probably session two 
that those things I kept referring to are called feelings. I'm happy now that I feel feelings and I vibrate higher and I live life on like a much brighter type of path. And if I had to give that up for a breast or give that up for breast cancer, never. I am happy that breast cancer led me through the door of healing and that I was able to do something like ayahuasca to put me so deep into it to get me there really quick and fast. And I learned my entire soul's journey through these multiple ceremonies. But that first one was pivotal. Like it had to happen. And if I had never done ayahuasca again, but I had that very one with these tears being released I didn't know I was carrying, that would have been enough to like change my life on its own. Wow. And how has your life changed since your now, how many ayahuasca journeys did you do? You said seven, you've done seven? Um, Yeah, it's six or seven. Seven. Yeah, I did January 2020, which is two ceremonies. The powerful one was ceremony night one. Then I did it again, June 2020 in upstate New York. And crazy enough, the next one was also January 31st, 2021. The next one was Mother's Day weekend. Oh my God. And then the next one was my three-year cancerversary. Wow. They were the dates that were available. From the first therapy session, I didn't pick January 31st. That was the day she had available. And everything has lined up to where my friend was like, you know that there's probably a reason you're doing ayahuasca on Mother's Day, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah. I actually forgot it was Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. She was right. She was right. Yeah. I know you've done about six to seven other ayahuasca journeys, but the first one, because it was so pivotal for you, after it was over, did you feel a sense of like almost like release? Like, did yes. your body feel different? I know, obviously, emotionally, you were able to release so much that was repressed and that you weren't even fully aware of. But did your body physically, did you feel like you just had released all of this sadness and grief that you weren't even aware that you were holding on to? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I felt like I took off a coat that I never knew I was wearing. Right. Like, I never knew I was wearing this coat. And all of a sudden, I felt lighter. Did I feel exhausted? I was tired for... 30 days after my soul was tired. My body was tired. I had to Mm -hmm. process. I had to think about something I never thought about before. I had to do all of these things, but I felt lighter. I felt different. I felt alive. Mm. Like that's where like, I already got in touch with like, feelings because people loved me so much during cancer. Like people showed me so much. I learned how to ask for help. I had connected with this blockage that I logically knew I had, but had no idea it was that deep or that big. I have room for so many more things now. Love, friendship, love, connection with people deeper, like a lot of things. Was it overnight? Not at all because it, I had to process, I had to integrate, right? but very much so like when I got home was like, oh shit, I was carrying that. Mm. What was your integration process like when you came back? I came back on Monday. My first therapy session was on Thursday. The pandemic started in March. So I was five weeks post ayahuasca of this life soul changing journey. So for me, the first part of the pandemic, I needed to do nothing. I needed to sit with this feeling. I needed to write about it. Another thing that happened is I bought a new TV stand Mm -hmm. and I'm cleaning out the old TV stand and have this book from being a child that my Aunt Rosie gave to me inside. It's like, dear Shayla, it's from 1985. (laughs) And I opened this book and it had letters in it. And I looked at these letters and I knew what they were. They were the mm. letters that I said my mother wrote those years mm. before that I read when I received them right. and I didn't connect with them and I never read them again. I knew that they were somewhere in things that I moved with me everywhere, but I didn't know where. And I'm cleaning out this TV stand and I sat down and I read these letters. I've moved six times before. 
I have seen this book. I have flipped through this book. I've never paid those letters any attention. Five, six weeks after ayahuasca, I read these letters Hmm. and I cried. And I'm reading the words of this woman that I don't know. And these words aren't saying, I love you or a reason. They're just like, the weather in Chicago is sunny today. Mm. And they are written, though, at the age I was of reading them. They were written at like 42 years old. Right. So I'm reading this 42-year-old's words to a child that she hadn't seen since she was three years old. That she right. only talked to a couple of times. And I'm reading this woman's words. And some of them say, like, you've been coming to my mind, but it's only natural. Right. Thanks for sending me those pictures. Your hands look like I remember them. Mm. And I'm reading these and I'm like crying. And I know that's because that wound was there and that wound was opened and that wound was raw. But even reading those letters were part of the healing journey. Right. And I took a picture of them and sent to my therapist and I was like, we need to talk. (laughs) But it was also part of the process. Yeah. And that was... Ayahuasca ripped that band-aid off. And well, you was, were ready, right? And I you was were ready. ready. There was no other time that I was ready, that I could do it, that I could yeah. look at them, that I could feel them, that I could know that there was a wound. Yes. And I know that my aunts and my dad loved me and protected me also from having to feel this wound until I was able right. and ready and could handle it. Like cancer, I couldn't have handled earlier in life, and I couldn't have handled the depths of that wound earlier in life. Well, ayahuasca just set you on that path to healing, right? Yes. It was the device to open that door for you to start to really fully heal. So how has your life changed since the very first pivotal ayahuasca journey, but then the other multiple ones that you've done since? How has your life changed, and how is your health now? So my life has changed because, and it's like, you peel back the onion, it's hard work, it hurts, but your vibrations raise. The rewards are beautiful. Like, I connect deeper with people. Like, I connect with strangers. I now also started doing transformational coaching and helping other people through their transformational journeys. And like, it's different than therapy, but it is like being able to work with someone who is like in a pivotal moment. And a transformation is going to happen. Right. Yeah, I think that I'm softer now. Mm. I also now hold motherhood ceremonies for pregnant women to celebrate their pregnancy of embarking down the motherhood path. I did my first one last last year at Burning Man, actually. And I have another one coming up. Like That is something I never thought about. But when I healed this mother wound, wow, I look at motherhood in this like beautiful way. And like my friends that are in motherhood now, it is just so special. While at the same time, I can like be honest and say like, wow, like when the babies hit four months, like, oh, wow, this is the time when someone left. But it's not in a sad way. Motherhood is different than maybe I had led myself to believe. And that motherhood is this beautiful thing. And that motherhood deserves to be celebrated. And like now I'm the motherless child celebrating Mm -hmm. motherhood and sending friends down this motherhood journey with a beautiful celebration and a circle of women in doing that my wound is now my gift and that is probably like the full circle of ayahuasca for me what do you mean when you said that you became softer what were you like before ayahuasca and then you said you became softer did you start to embrace your more feminine side Versus the masculine? Yes, in a sense, because I had to learn how to be woman. So I had to learn femininity. It's like more connected with feelings. I sounded very uncomfortable with it. <laughs> but I have cried more now than I have previously. I feel a different connection with my female friends. Mm. If you were to speak to my women friends in my life, I think that they also would say, Shayla has softened. It was never like this hard person. I was always the person that people have talked to, that people 
have shared very personal things with me my entire life. So I've always had that gift and that gift is now brighter because the wound is healed and the layers are pulled back and I'm just more connected to my higher self. So maybe like less in the mask. Like now I can see all those things in the beauty that I couldn't even see before. I think that's the softer part. Right. And after your multiple ayahuasca journeys, obviously you feel more connected, right? To source your higher self. Do you feel like you also have enhanced intuition or psychic abilities or visions? Yeah, I'm just more connected to all the things, like all the essence of being. I think it enhanced my gifts. People have always like shared and talked with me, but now it's, it's deeper. And I think that's where kind of like the transformational coaching um, comes into play. Mm. I mean, I feel your energy. The few times that we've talked, even before this podcast episode, I could feel your energy and how things had shifted for you in yeah. terms of where you were. And then now, fast forward to now, from 2020 to now, you know, less than three years later. So if you could share one final thought with anybody who's listening or watching who is contemplating a psychedelic journey or just doing their research, what would be your advice for them? It is intimidating to get to your rawest self, but the biggest gift we can give ourselves in this life on earth, in this body is healing. And however you choose to do the healing, whether it be therapy, psychedelics, somatic things, anything that can get you to the healing point, do it because healing is a gift. Mm. And it's the most beautiful gift that we can give ourselves. That is such a beautiful, beautiful way to end this episode and this conversation. Shayla, thank you so much for sharing your story. Your story is so inspiring. It's incredible. I'm still kind of processing what happened to you from less than three years ago and where you are now. I mean, it's incredible. Thank you for having me on here. And if anyone listening to this has any questions about any part of the psychedelic journey, transformation, anything, like reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at shayla.martin05, S-H-A-Y-D-O-T, Martin05. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's been so wonderful getting to know you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Your support means a lot to me, so please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so let me know what resonates for you. Until next time, take care.